Well, good morning, friends. So good to be with each of you today to worship God. We're continuing our Lenten series, uh, The Good News. And today we're going to talk about confession. And so I want to start off by telling a story. Um, when Chris and I first moved into our house back in 2021, we were really excited because we had a formal dining room. And I'd always dreamed of having a formal dining room with a big table where my family could come together and we could have meals there. So we bought a new dining room table to go with the other kind of formal dining room stuff that we had. Beautiful wooden table with beautiful cream chairs. You know where I'm going with this. Well, I have a five-year-old who's a little obsessed with writing the ABCs everywhere. And so one day, I was looking under the seat, and I pulled it out, because we're not in there very much, and I find ABC <laughs> written on my new dining room furniture. And so Chris and I both were like, you know, we don't know when she did this. It's not like she did this right now, so we can't really approach her about it in a way of trying to get her to tell us what happened. But we still wanted to talk with her about it, because it's a big deal. My heart was crushed. And we don't know, by the way, if this was written with a Sharpie or if it was written with our washable marker. So we go and we say, hey, Summit, can we show you something that we found? And she's, you know, walking in and she goes, oh, I didn't do that. <laughs> we were just kind of shocked by how nonchalantly she denied it. And we're like, well, well, who did it? It was Collins. I bet it was Collins. Collins is three. Doesn't quite know how to write her alphabet yet. So Chris and I are going, okay, we're going to have to be creative here. So Chris comes up with this brilliant idea to have an investigation about who did this. Okay, so we decided we were going to get some paper and pen. We were going to write the ABCs, the four of us. Obviously, Camden was not going to be included. So Chris writes his, which honestly looks a little bit like it, <laughs> if I can just go ahead and say it. I was like, hmm. But of course, he looks and he's like, well, there's no way I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be the one that makes mommy mad because I'm not going to ride on that furniture and do that. So then I do it, and, you know, it doesn't really look. Mine's a little more curly than this is. And then Collins. So obviously, you know, we, we threw her out pretty quick. And Chris is like, obviously, Mom's not going to do it because she's sitting here, you know, destroyed because her furniture is like this. And then it's Summit's turn. And you can see her as she picks up the marker. She looks up at us. She looks at the chair, and then she writes her A very differently. <laughs> then she writes the B a little bit differently. And then the C is the kicker. She writes her C, and then she adds these little lines on it. And as she's writing the lines on the end of the C, she's looking up at me. And I'm like, Summit, I've never seen you make a C like that before. It's very fancy. She goes, oh, yeah, I make them like this all the time. See? And so she makes another one to prove it. And I'm like, well, I really thought that you only wrote your C's without the lines. Can you do that for me? And so she does it, but you can even see the, like, curls in it as she's taking her time trying to make it look different. Finally, she realizes that she's caught, right? But she never really comes clean. She just kind of shrugs and walks away. She still to this day has not confessed that she did that. And we found other writings on other things throughout the house. But confession is hard, isn't it? No matter what age we are, it's hard to say, I did something wrong. I messed up. I missed the mark. But when we think about confession, when we read about it, when we 
listen to Jesus and we listen to the word of God, confession is not optional. It's a requirement that we have to do. And today we're going to dig in to 1 John. And John's going to make it very clear why confession is so important, why it's a requirement of our lives as disciples, and a big reason why we struggle to do it. So let's jump in and let's read our scripture today from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Wow, he packs a punch. Some mighty words in these three verses that we're going to dig into today. So I want to unpack confession, and I want to talk about what confession really means. Now, Stephen did a great job on Ash Wednesday telling us about repentance. And confession and repentance are different. Stephen talks about repentance is turning back, turning away. It's a change of mind from our sin. We're turning back to God and away from our sin. Confession comes from a Latin word, and it means to agree, to, gi to give consent. When we confess, we humble ourselves. We get into a posture before God and others, and we admit. We humble ourselves and we say, God, I agree with your plan and with your love. And what that agreement does is it changes our lens to be God's lens. We admit that we know there is a difference between God's desires and our choices. And we see that difference in what should have been and what was not. We lay bare our failures. We say them out loud. We profess them to God. And we do this with others as well. It's a corporate act to confess with one another our struggles. To hold each other up, to hold each other accountable when we need to do that. To pray for one another, to encourage one another. It helps deepen our relationship, not only vertically with God, but horizontally with one another through Christ and in Christ. But before we can know the difference of our choices and God's desires, we first have to know the truth. We first have to know what the truth is. But I'm going to ask this question. Who is the truth? Who is the truth? For us to know truth, to know how we are supposed to live our lives, we have to know who the truth is. We aren't the only people who have asked the question of how do we do this? What's the right way? What is the truth in the world? Thomas had this question for Jesus. He says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And how does Jesus reply? I am the way. I am the what? Truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So how do we know 
Jesus? How do we come to know Jesus? I love asking this question to the upward kids because they're just gunning to answer it. I got it. I got it. I know how we, I know how we come to know God. So I'm going to ask you that question, and I'm going to expect that same anticipation that you're going to know this answer. So how do we come to know who God is? How do we come to know Jesus? What are ways we learn about him? Bible. The Bible. Reading his word. What else? Prayer. Prayer. Having conversation with him. What else? Bible study. Group study. Small groups. Yes. Relationships. God reveals himself through these important relationships that we have. What about worship? Not only here, but worship in our lives, listening to praise music, spending time with him, reflecting on our hearts, discovering who we are. There's a great opportunity, if you are a woman, to learn who you are in God's image. I love to have you on March 16th. It's going to be an awesome time. We have waited three years to have a women's event. We're back. It's going to be so fun. I invite you to do that. What about spending time in nature with God's creation, seeing the beauty of the world, coming to know him through the creation that he has created? Here's an interesting one I want you to think about. Looking back. Looking back. I'm not a person that says, don't ever look back. Yeah, I know what happened to Lot's wife, I know. But I think it's very important for us to look back. To look back on where we've been. On reflect how God was there with us through the things that we have gone through. Because that helps us be more present now. More thankful now. More grateful now. In what we're going through. And then what that does is it prepares us. It gives us courage for the future. For what's to come. For our next steps. It's also important for us to look back, not critically, but curiously. To look back so that we learn about our patterns. We see our coping mechanisms, our comfort zones that disguise themselves as safety nets or security blankets. But what they really are, what they really become in our lives are roadblocks and strongholds that keep us from deeper relationship with Christ. In our culture, there is this dangerous mindset. And it's not a, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a, I can do things on my own because I have to and I ought to. It's the way it should be. I don't need anybody else other than myself. And then there's also judgment on the flip side of people that can't handle things on, them, on their own. In America, we're obsessed with individualism. And individualism puts me first. My ways. My goals. My desires. Asking for help is perceived as being a weakness. Failure is perceived as losing. And depending on others is perceived as mooching. And I'm not saying there's not moochers out there. But more than likely, people just need help and support, and that's okay. And this isn't new 
to the world. U.S. isn't the strongest ones in it. We definitely take it to the extreme sometimes. This isn't anything new, and we can remember that whenever we remember what John said. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Where are you getting at, Ashley? The number one reason why we do not confess is pride. Is pride. And what is pride in God's eyes? What is pride? It's a sin. It's a sin in God's eyes. C.S. Lewis, in his book Mere Christianity, says pride is the greatest sin. And he says this, pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. That's some heavy stuff for us today, friends. Pride keeps us from admitting that we need anyone. It holds us back from humility. It tells us we can do it on our own. It enables us to lean on our vices for support, for control, for security. And it manifests itself in so many ways. Here's some. I am who I am. That's just how God made me. I can't change. I don't want to change. My way or the highway. Here's a really tough one. I'm so glad I'm not like them. I'm so glad I'm not doing what they're doing. That's called the Pharisee pride. If if we're saying they and them a lot, I notice this about myself. I've been doing this a lot lately. I got some pride I need to let God tear down. It's a tough one to admit that. But there's also a flip side of prime that disguises itself It's something that we wouldn't recognize as being pride. And it sounds like this. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. No one is going to take care of me. No one cares about me. Why does this always happen to me? And I don't want to be a burden. You see, what happens is Pride is when we set anything other than God on our throne. Anything. Me before he. Either I'm too good and I don't need saving, or I'm not good enough and not worthy of being saved. So what needs to happen What's John telling us? What needs to happen before we can confess? We've got to choose. We have to choose. Is it going to be God? Am I going to seek God's ways? Am I going to seek God's truth? Or is it going to be me? Adam and Eve made their choice. We talked about that. Tom talked about that last week. Talked about Adam last week. Adam made his choice. He chose himself. And now today we have a choice of who we are going to choose. If we don't choose God, as John says, what have we made God? 
a liar. And I don't, I don't lack this language because we just talked about it. Who is God, though? What is God? He's truth. We can't make him a liar. God cannot be a liar because he is perfect truth. What really happens, and here's what John's really saying, is our witness, our lives, when we don't confess, we don't admit that we need God, that we can, we're not controlled by our sins. If we can't admit that, we make our witness a lie. If we choose not to confess our sin and not to admit we are sinners, but say we are Christ's followers, we make our lives a lie. And the Holy Spirit will not work through us. I'm going to give you one that's free today. I'm not even going to charge you for this. If you're professing but not confessing, you need to be assessing. You're welcome. You're going to remember that one forever. God gave me that. It's pretty perfect. If you're professing that you are a Christ follower, but you are not confessing that you are a sinner and talking about your sins and going before him and saying, God, I need you, you need to be assessing who you really are. Are you really a Christ follower? Because what, what is verse 8? What did that say again? If we can't do that, if we can't confess we need sins, then who is not in us? The truth. Who is the truth? God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. That's some mic drop essential stuff right there about being a Christian, about being a Christ follower. But friends, what happens when we confess? I want you to read this red part with me. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us and our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. Do you feel that power? Let's change that if to a when. When we confess our sins. When. What's going to happen? God is meeting us right where we are. And he is cleansing us and forgiving us just like that. When we confess. Now y'all know I'm a big Harry Potter fan. And in the movie, the arch nemesis is Lord Voldemort. And nobody will say his name. They say, he who must not be named. They are afraid of the name. There is fear in the name, so they don't say it. But Harry, in one of the situations where he's trying to ironically get a confession out of a professor in order to take down Lord Voldemort. He looks at him and he says, I'm not afraid of the name. Harry realizes that the more he says Lord Voldemort, the more he says that name, the less power it has in his life. And it goes the same for our sin. Naming our sin takes away the power because when we name our sin, we claim God's power over it. And we discover that the truth was within us and there all along. 
these things, these strongholds, these roadblocks, these security blankets that we have in our lives, these sins, these struggles. We thought they had power over us, but guess what? They don't. Because Jesus' blood has cleansed them, and he has won the victory over them, and now we get to claim that same victory in our lives too. Amen? That should fire us up, folks. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Doesn't have power over us anymore. Who has power over us now? Jesus. The Holy Spirit is always waiting for us to confess. God is always waiting. Frederick Buchner, I'll end with this. He says this. To confess your sins to God is not to tell him anything he doesn't already know. Until you confess them, however, they are the abyss between you. When you confess them, they become the bridge. Isn't that a beautiful visual? They become the bridge. When we can say those things out loud, you know why they become the bridge? Because Jesus is right there. It's not our sin that's building that bridge. Jesus has already done that through his resurrection and his death. We're about to be invited to this table. God's invitation to all people. Let's take this opportunity today to name our sin and claim God's power over it. Claim who God has called you to be, which is a child of God, deeply loved by God. If you believe that you aren't worthy to accept his gifts of grace, that's pride, that's sin. Lay that down. Take that lie and lay it at the throne. On the other hand, if you believe you're too good and you don't need it, that's pride and that's a sin. Take that lie and lay it down at the throne. One thing is for sure today. You're going to make a choice. Is it going to be God or are you going to choose yourself?